Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Dennis Anderson, executive editor of the Journal Star, and um, with me today are uh, John Miller, the president and CEO of the Peoria Riverfront Museum. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And also Bill Conger, the curator of collections and exhibitions at the museum. How are you today, I'm, Dennis? Thanks I'm for great. having us. Thanks for coming in. There's a couple uh, things happening at the at the museum uh, that, that you have on, on uh, uh, view right now is the Moon 50th anniversary of the moon landing and the Whitney New York City for, uh, uh, photo exhibit. Those are wrapping up pretty soon. What what brought those on? And if people have a chance to see it right now, why should they go? Well, Dennis, thank thank you for uh, having us on to talk. Good to be at the Journal Star. Uh, the Peoria Riverfront Museum is a multidisciplinary museum of art, science, history, and achievement. And so we're constantly wrapping in different angles on our mission, which is to inspire uh, confidence and learning and unleash talent and so forth. So the Moon exhibition, which we have on now, comes at both uh, the sort of scientific uh, side of things, the historic side of things, um, uh, the achievement, uh, obviously, the lunar uh, the lunar landing, uh, July twentieth, nineteen sixty nine, fifty years ago this year, incredible, and an artistic angle, which is that we went out and found uh, Luke Jerram, a British artist, who uses the composite uh, uh, images of NASA photographs of the moon and created a three dimensional moon. Uh, four four meters or thirteen feet in diameter. It's spectacular to see. It's inspiring. You saw you, you it. So. Show, you showed me yeah. that last week. What I thought was so, so amazing about it is this is just from this year. The the view you see of it is from May or something like that. I, I, he's t- he, he took recent uh, NASA photographs uh, to uh, to compile for this image that then he printed on. Uh, very thick uh, balloon-like material, nylon material, but it has a almost a textured, three-dimensional feel to the craters and the canyons on it. The good news about this, and I, I don't think I've publicly announced this yet, but I'll share it with you on your podcast. Uh, we bought the moon, so thanks to the donors of the Peoria Riverfront Museum, that moon is staying. Uh, Luke Jerram's only four-meter uh, diameter, thirteen-foot diameter moon. Uh, in the world, <laughs> so to speak, the only where, where are you going to put that uh, to be determined. Okay. Uh, it, it actually condenses once it's off display. We have exclusive rights to travel <laughs> it uh, within the state of Illinois. Should uh, mm-hmm. we work with other institutions who want to borrow it, other planetarium uh, friends, and so forth? But uh, Renee Kerrigan, our, our curator of science and planetarium director, did a brilliant job. Uh, collecting uh, dozens of objects, authentic objects from various lunar missions of uh, the various Apollo missions, and it, it's uh, it's been a really really beautiful exhibition to have. A lot of school tours, our every student initiative. We're getting students in there all the time, and we connect those to their curriculum, uh, and and it's been great. But as you saw with the moon, uh, something like that uh, is um, Peoria is lucky to, to have yeah. it. But the Whitney is 
the one right next door, and it's closing this uh, weekend. Uh, but the Whitney relationship is one we'll talk a little more about. But uh, let me let Bill talk about what's in the Whitney exhibition and why we brought it. Sure. Uh, the Whitney uh, Museum of uh, American Art uh, offered an exhibition to us of about uh, 60-plus works of art by about 30 <laughs> artists that span from 1970 to 2005. And this is an amazing kind of point in the history of photography, which is really is an art form barely 200 years old, and certainly as a kind of commodity or commercialized form, much less probably by half that. So it's a very young art form, and we, we get this amazing kind of uh, section of his history that uh, shows photography in its most expressive uh, to date, really. I, I took a look at that, too, and I was like, what are your favorite photos that you, you see in that exhibit? Well, I love all of those those works, really. There are some amazing uh, moments in that show, particularly uh, the Polaroids from Andy Warhol, uh, which actually this is the first time those works have been uh, displayed publicly. The, the Whitney Museum owned those for many years, and, and uh, we were thrilled to have those included. Um, those how would that, certainly how did that work out because they've they've never been shown before. Exactly. Well, we happen to know that there was uh, some Andy Warhol in the air. There's a great uh, Whitney curated mu- museum show in at the Art Institute of Chicago right now, and we we thought that the uh, tie-in made a lot of sense and and requested that uh, that Andy be included, and and they uh, they played along. It was great. Great. So this is the first time that the venerable, great Whitney Museum of American Art in Manhattan, in New York City, right at the uh, southern end of the High Line on the Hudson River in a beautiful new Renzo Piano designed $450 million building. It's incredible. The Whitney was founded by Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney from the wealthiest family in America. Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney had this dream uh, 90 years ago to create a museum that would celebrate American uh, art and creative output. Uh, Most of the big museums then were really looking at European masters and old uh, turning to Europe for the culture, if you will. And Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney really believed that America had output as well. And so not only was she an artist herself, but she started collecting all these great American uh, American artists and, and and, uh, and created this museum. Today, the Whitney Museum is the most sort of relevant contemporary uh, museum uh, in, in our country. Enter a woman named Alice Walton. From Bentonville, Arkansas, Alice Walton is the wealthiest uh, woman in the United States. She's the daughter of the founder of Walmart, Sam Walton. And Alice Walton's passion, like Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney, is American art. She set up a foundation after she built her own museum down there called Crystal Bridges in Bentonville, Arkansas. She set up a foundation to help museums like Peoria, Riverfront Museum, and others around the country to access American art on a level that could would never otherwise be accessible. So for us to have uh, 
the Whitney Museum of American Art in Peoria was made possible by the first gift of its kind in Peoria history from Alice Walton's foundation and the first traveling exhibition of its kind from Gertrude Vanderbilt Whitney. So Peoria, in many ways, were honored to be sort of at the crossroads between the legacy of one of the greatest uh, or the greatest American art collector and patron of her era and the greatest American art collector and patron of, of today. And Peoria happened to step in, went knocked on the door at the Whitney and said, would you, would you send us a show? And they, the timing was, was perfect. So thus begins not just one show of photography that's up through November 10th in our galleries. Thus begins an incredible opportunity for us to build on our relationship with the Whitney and Art Bridges Alice Walton's Foundation. So, so it's Peoria's gain. Yeah. Peoria and the people of Peoria and the Peoria region uh, who uh, come from all over. And I, I have to add just one thing. The um, Art Bridges learned of our Every Student initiative, where we're trying to get every student of all ages in the museum at least every year on some kind of curriculum-related uh, visit. So they they actually added to their grant to us on their own an additional $10,000 to help us cover cost of something to do with our students. So we open it up to all high school and college students at every high school and college in the entire region, free of charge, they could come with a student ID. Oh, really? As of yesterday, we have had 671 students from colleges and high schools coming to the museum to see a show of, from the Whitney Museum on contemporary photography. And 671 may not seem like a giant number, but when you have high school and college students beginning to come to see contemporary art in the museum... This is a very good uh, uh, trend. So, yeah, at 600, is that an increase over previous years? Well, we've never had a specified program like this for high school and college students. What we have had is 20,000 K through 8th grade students coming through, or nearly 20,000 over the last uh, few years. That's on the rise with the Every Student Initiative. The Barton Family Foundation made a huge grant. Mary Jean Bowman, a number of our visionary society members, our contributors to the museum, were totally privately funded operations mm -hmm. as a museum, have contributed so we can give free uh, uh, trips, curriculum-related trips, to see various exhibitions of art and science and history and achievement in the museum. That's been on the rise in the two and a half years since I've been the CEO at the museum. But what's happening now with Alice Walton's commitment is we're really looking at expanding to high school and college students as well. This is really game-changing stuff for our for our for the culture of Peoria, the confidence of Peoria. When your young people are finding cool stuff mm -hmm. that they, they like about Peoria, they're going to stay here. They're going to return here from their collegiate educations. They're, you know, no matter where they are in their uh, in their young lives, it makes Peoria a little little cooler, if you will. Yeah, I know. When I have family visiting, Thanksgiving's coming up. It's the museums are things that attract uh, attract us, and we bring people to. Um, when when does the Moon exhibit end? And how about the Whitney? When are those When are those over? They're both November 10th. Okay. Uh, this is it. This All is right. Got to jump on This is a live podcast. <laughs> so, come, you know, if you're, if you're watching, come, come see them November 10th. Uh, now, the good news is for your family coming in over Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. they're going to have the greatest cultural exhibition we have brought in decades. I mean, this is going to be a big one. Da Vinci the Genius featuring the secrets of the Mona Lisa. Th that's a segue, people. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty good segue. <laughs> Go on. Tell me more about so, that. So, uh, you know, we our board, Steve Jackson's our board chairman. We have 21 members of our board. 
Uh, we have a number of advisory councils and our visionary society. We're always working to try to raise the money to go out and, and not only curate our own exhibitions, but at least twice a year, bring in big traveling exhibitions that the people will, will love, that will inspire them and they'll, they'll learn from. We just did Art of the Brick, the uh, Lego art of Nathan mm -hmm. Sawaya. Very successful. We had 40,000 visitor experiences generated over the summer. And the new one we're opening up on November 23rd, Saturday, November 23rd, is the biggest cultural uh, exhibition we've ever brought in. Leonardo da Vinci, arguably the greatest multidisciplinary genius in, in history, um, a traveling exhibition on his inventions, on works of art, and on the 500th anniversary of his death. And, and Bill, what will we see in this exhibit? Well, you're going to see actually some of the first uh, building uh, sculptural uh, 3D kind of realizations of his sculptural uh, plans. Uh, mm -hmm. So many of these were, you know, they only existed as, as uh, drawings and ideas and sketches. So uh, these will actually show you uh, what these would have looked like. A anything from the bicycle to the crossbow to the helicopter, submarine, these things were all inventions of Leonardo that actually preceded the actual facilitation of the real um, the submarine as we know it, for example. But he understood physically, he understood uh, how these, these inventions could impact the world, and he also understood how they could work. Um, so we'll, we'll, it, we'll see those. We'll have uh, an area of the Last Supper, um, one of the most important paintings that, uh, that Leonardo ever did. And, and of course, as John mentioned, uh, the Mona Lisa, which is a, an intense view of uh, the layering and the, the kind of time and, and kind of conceptual decisions that it took to create probably the most important painting uh, in, in so explaining his times. thought process or at least the process of him actually painting physically you, you can actually see what was changed how he what he was thinking about as he produced the painting you can actually see layers it's an incredible technique that it actually is used who, who all did the that time and how now. did they do that Pascal Cotti from uh, from Italy actually uh, worked with the Museo uh, Leonardo da Vinci to mm -hmm scan and produce the study of, of the Mona Lisa. And, and although we can't have the actual painting, we have an amazing, uh, it's kind of a sensorial uh, display of the, the painting and uh, illustrating how, how it happened. We see we have a fan here already. Adam Shepfer is uh, excited about that. This Da Vinci. Uh... Adam, <laughs> glad to see your note. Thanks for, for watching. You should be excited. This is an absolutely unbelievable opportunity to experience the greatest multidisciplinary mm -hmm. inventor and artist and botanist and uh, and uh, and on and on. Uh, he he is. Uh, I'm I'm learning about him even as we go on the 500th anniversary of his of his passing. There are exhibitions being held around the world. There's a. Uh, of course, the Louvre is hosting a, a which which is home to five Da Vinci paintings, uh, and including the Mona Lisa, the most famous and popular painting. What's really going to be interesting about the Mona Lisa we are bringing is it is the most exact copy of the Mona Lisa ever made, and it's not just a copy of the front of the Mona Lisa; it's a copy of the back. 
It's a copy of the edges of the, the wood that the Mona Lisa was painted on. And uh, our visitors will be able to see the Mona Lisa in ways that even at the Mona Lisa, you won't be able to experience. And also they have like 15,000 visitors a day <laughs> to see the Mona Lisa at the Louvre. We're expecting crowds, but, but not like that. So um, why, is, why does Leonardo da Vinci make sense for us to bring at this moment in Peoria history? We believe the museum can be a spark for the spirit of innovation that's going on. There was a mm -hmm. big press conference announcement of an innovation hub last where there's a lot of discussion about how do we encourage entrepreneurial activity and innovation in, in the future of our economy. No better personality could we have fo focused on um, in the history of probably humankind in terms of invention and innovation and ideas than Leonardo da Vinci. That's why the board and the staff and I are, are bringing it. And how long will the da Vinci uh, exhibit be around? March 22nd. Okay. November 23rd to March 22nd. But do not wait. Come see it on the first weekend. Great. <laughs> um, what, what else are we going to be looking forward to in 2020? Well, uh, we are, we are uh, let me give you a couple things coming down the pike. As I mentioned, we are really looking at big blockbuster exhibitions to bring to town. So we went out to also to New York City. We've been turning to New York City recently. They've got the greatest cultural uh, organizations probably in the Western Hemisphere. And um, we went to the American Museum of Natural History. And they are the Night at the Museum Museum. Mm -hmm. uh, they're the ones who discovered uh, the T-Rex. Um, and right now they're celebrating their 150th anniversary. Uh, the sesquicentennial on, on Central Park, their big banners up, and their exhibition celebrating that sesquicentennial is on the T-Rex. Makes sense for them, yep. they're very prideful of that. Of course, here in Illinois, we, we all know about Sioux up at the Field Museum, a great natural history museum. This is the granddaddy of all of the natural history museums, the uh, American Museum of Natural History. So we asked them, what they're doing with that T-Rex exhibition after they're finished with it in New York, knowing that, you know, all of this wonderful exhibition w is not going to be there forever. And we have secured for the summer of 2021 the T-Rex exhibition to come to Peoria. It's a very big deal. We're the first in the Midwest to get this. Prior to it, though, while we were negotiating with the T-Rex, we learned they also had an exhibition on creatures of light, bioluminescence. Kids, adults alike, we all love bioluminescence. There's anglerfish and glowworms and fireflies and anything that kind of glows out of its own natural, you know, life glowing. And so we're bringing creatures of light this summer. So we'll have back-to-back exhibitions from our friends in New York. So, so a lesson there is that you, you never know. If you don't ask, you'll never know. Exactly right. right? And we are specializing in just going out. I think Bill and I are gaining confidence in doing this. I don't know. We We're may just good at it. Maybe we'll just go over to the Louvre and say, will you send the Mona Lisa <laughs> over? I mean, we <laughs> that unlikely to have. It hasn't been here since yeah, early 1960s. Yeah. And Jackie Kennedy, that was the last to be able to persuade it in a diplomatic mission to to come to the United States. So as much as we are gaining confidence, that may be, may be a little straight. We're bringing the best replica of the Mona Lisa. So, But uh, a lot is going on at the Peoria Riverfront Museum. We just turned seven years old. And it's incredible, Dennis, because there are still people. I talked to Rotary Clubs and Kiwanis Clubs and 
chambers of commerce, you know, all the various service groups and business groups and so forth. How many of you have been in the room? You know, usually two-thirds of the hands will go up, but I always say, well, the other third of you, come in. Come in and mm-hmm. see it. I mean, just you don't have to wait for an exhibition to, to come, to go. Just go. I guarantee you at any given time, we will have fascinating things. We just installed a small case. I'm going to let you talk about a sure. uh, brand new case. Uh, uh, it's constantly rotating. Yep. So we have devoted uh, a s- small area of our museum, uh, a little case display in the hallway to our recent acquisitions. Um, and as we begin to talk more and more about our collections, um, Peoria Riverfront Museum has over 15,000 objects in in our permanent collection. You'll start seeing those a little more prominently in the museum as time goes on, uh, featured in bigger exhibitions and exhibitions on their own. To kick things off, we opened a a case display of some of the new uh, items we've received, and we're so proud of uh, all of them. But, boy, one of them really merits some, some discussion, which is the first white blind cane. Um, from Peoria, Illinois, 1930. And uh, with the help of the Lions Club back in 1930, one George Bonham uh, discovered a a gentleman who was struggling to get across the street with a black cane, blind. And uh, he befriended this, this gentleman and worked with him to develop the right kind of formula for identification for motorists. And Subsequently, after a few trials, uh, the white cane with the red tip emerged, and we have that cane. It, it is so. Center for the Blind and Visually Impaired um, is responsible for for loaning us, giving us this cane, uh, and we have that on display. It will be prominently dispra- displayed through the museum indefinitely. Uh, we never say forever, but uh, this will be up for for viewing for quite a while. And of course, uh, some some brand new, uh, actually from a year ago, an exhibition we did, 10 Medical Inventions That Changed the World. We have uh, examples uh, from the first strain of penicillin mm-hmm. that was developed in Peoria as well. So some great moments for local pride uh, and confidence. Um, you're not just a museum. You also have a, the giant screen theater. And you have, uh, to wrap up with this, um, tell us about the uh, film series you have this weekend. We are the only uh, museum in the state of Illinois, including our friends in upstate Illinois, with the giant screen theater. We're the only ones. So uh, the Museum of Science and Industry has an Omnimax that sort of comes, you know, one of those dome uh, theaters. But we're lucky. We have a 70-foot wide best theater, I think, in the whole state. Uh, for for film. So we bring some first-run films, like we'll show episode nine of Star Wars. We'll get a lot of folks coming in uh, to see that. But we don't specialize in in competing in the commercial film realm. There's plenty of multiplexes and they're doing that sort of thing. We bring in art films. We bring in documentaries. We've got a beautiful new uh, 3D film on, uh, on the oceans. But we also love to look at classic films. And we were fortunate to make friends with the preeminent uh, author on classic film figures and and, uh, in the country, Mark Elliott. Mark is in town today for the next four days to uh, screen four films, show four films, and then talk about, to do a little 20, 30-minute in-depth analysis of 
a movie director named John Ford, the only movie director to win four Academy Awards in history, John Ford. We'll, we'll see Stagecoach, The Searchers, and uh, a film called uh, Liberty Valance, Who Shot Liberty mm-hmm. Valance. Um, this is John Wayne, uh, John Wayne, all three of these are John Wayne. And John Wayne, who's the great Western character uh, uh, actor. Uh, and then we'll conclude by with a film uh, called High Noon with Gary Cooper. So many of us of our generation uh, or even older did not see these films when they first came out, but they are phenomenally beautiful storytelling about our about our country. So we invite people to come see Mark Elliott's Art of Film uh, the next four nights, six o'clock each night. Uh, tickets are fifteen dollars a ticket. That includes the opportunity to get a uh, to purchase a book and get a uh, signed uh, copy of the book from the author on John Wayne. And uh, you know we've got a lot going on. It's a lot of fun. I see uh, Todd Baker, our uh, member of our board, our vice chairman of our board, is watching, and I'm happy to see Todd pop up and. And Gloria Carter popped up as well. So there are people out there, which is a good thing, Dennis. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Now it's a great chance to go out and see uh, what's happening at the museum. So long. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.